0: I will say unto the Lord that he is worthy to be part. Praise Lord, Jesus. You are we call you by your name that's above you every name. We bring glory and honor to thy name, O oh Lord. The sweet, beautiful name above every name. The name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, of glory. Thank you, dear God. All right. You got a Bible tonight? The Book of Acts. Turning to Acts chapter 9. and verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, this is Saul, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. That's pretty plain, isn't it? (laughs) There was no confusion there, none whatsoever. Must have been before commentary. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That means a very sharp pointed stick or spear or javelin. Very hard, thorny like, just to kick against that everybody said praise the lord i want to preach the easy way to serve the lord you may be seated the lord bless you, you now the bible said in acts chapter 2 and this was a picture of those that had come about a half a mile journey on no doubt what was a hot and dusty day and as they arrived in the upper room of the church house at Jerusalem, having come down from overlooking the city. They were in a place called Bethany in the Mount of Olives where the Lord had just given them last-minute instructions. And now they're coming down to the very last, and he's telling them that after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them, they shall receive power to be witnesses unto him. In Jerusalem, Judea, and all the uttermost parts, of the earth. Sister Anne believes that we out here in the glades are the uttermost parts of the earth. Whether we are or whether we aren't, we're a part of God's work, and I'm very happy for that. Give God a big hand. Amen. Thank God. So they, uh, the Bible went on to say that these about 120 that uh, had obeyed Jesus and they had left behind. 380 people. Let me tell you something. If you live for God, you're going to leave some things behind. You're going to leave some people behind. You're going to leave some old habits and old friends and old places where you hung out. You're going to leave those things behind because Jesus is going to uh, light the afterburner in your life, friend. And he's going to, he's going to push that button that absolutely just uh, sends a fuel of the Holy Ghost coursing through your veins and your mind that propels you and catapults you into the great work of God. And you're going to leave a lot of things in your wake. You're going to be glad to leave them behind you. You're going to be glad to be gone and shut up those things and are delivered from those things and that no longer do they have a grip or a hold on you any longer. I'm glad I'm not sad anymore. I'm glad I'm not depressed anymore. I'm glad I'm not sick anymore. I'm glad that I don't drink or smoke or cuss anymore or do any kinds of dope. I'm glad that I'm not irritable and irascible and upset and miserable and unhappy and make everybody else unhappy. I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. I left that behind. I left that in a pile of repentance. I buried that in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And I came up a new creature in Christ Jesus, born again of water, and then filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, born again of the Spirit. Amen. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, friend. You're going to leave some things behind. You surely are. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible said very plainly. Come on up. Bible said very plainly, you owe me tonight. I'm preaching, it looks like. The Bible said that uh, they, Jesus made it clear. He said, whatever you give up for, the, for my sake, for my name's sake. What's his name? Thank you. Whatever you give up for my name's sake. Uh, he said, um, you give up wife. He said, I'll give you wife. You give up a husband, give you a husband. You give up mother or father, sister or brother, aunt or uncle. You leave those things behind. Abraham was told, get thee up and away from thy kingdom. Get away from what all you've been involved with, and what all your life has been about. Get away from that. and Come and follow me. Let me give you my word. I will be your shield. I will be your exceeding great reward. I will, I will make you a father of nations. And you go ahead and right where you're standing, he said, you look up and count the stars if you can. And he said, because uh, that's how your seed's going to be and then try to number the sand by the seashore because that's how your seeds going to be. You know God challenged Abraham to think big. He didn't say one star, he said all the stars. You think big here. Uh, let's start uh, broadening our horizon or how as Isaiah say, lengthen thy stakes and just just take in some territory here. Start claiming wherever you put the sole of your feet, Abraham. I'm going to give it to you. You just come on out from some things. And they came out from about 500 of them and they separated themselves by doing what God wanted them to do. It wasn't that they were trying to be mean or ugly or unsociable. It was that the Lord said go in this direction and go to this place and they and do this. And that's what they did. And there was about 320 that said, ah, ah And they stuck their feet in the ground and they wouldn't go anywhere but it was about that 120 the Bible said they were in one mind in one accord in that one place when the power of God hit that place and filled that house and filled everybody in the house with the Holy Ghost of Fire Amen and Amen a friend doing doing what Jesus said flowing with what Jesus said that's the easy way to live for God that's the easy way to live for God. We've got this guy by the name of Saul. He's from a certain area known as Tarshish, And he has, he's trusting in the things that he was raised up with. He, he couldn't seem to get separate. He couldn't seem to leave behind a lot of traditions, a lot of theories, a lot of man-made ideas. He couldn't seem to leave certain things behind couldn't cut loose from those things. And um, he was so convinced of it and so uh, self-righteous with it that, and remember the Bible said, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. He was one more stinky, smelly dude, let me tell you. But he didn't think he, he was. He didn't think his, his poop stunk. He didn't think that. He thought he was just the man. And he went to the high priest and he said, I want you to give me some letters of authority. He said, because if I find anybody of this way, he said, man or woman, he said, I'm going to take them to the authorities. I'm going to have them thrown into jail. Or if we just get a little, uh, if we get a little laborious during the day and we're a little tired, he said, we'll just stop and do the vigilante thing and we'll just stone them right where we're at. We won't even bother bringing them back to Jerusalem and bringing them back to the council. We'll just take it into our hands wherever we're at. And they did that. They laid down their garments at his feet, the Bible said, while they took up rocks and they stoned uh, Stephen that particular day, who kneeling down and seeing Jesus, my God, crying out, his last words were, forgive them and lay not this sin to their charge. That sounds like somebody that's got the Holy Ghost. That sounds like somebody that's got victory. That sounds like somebody that can see past this little puny world and see past the things that seem to be so important when really they're not at all important. They're not important at all. Jesus made it clear, whatever you give up, he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of that for you. And he said, I'm gonna bless you a hundredfold in this life. And in the world to come, I'll give you life eternal. Man, you're talking about God taking our dirt, taking our dirty, nasty, filthy life, and cleaning us up and telling us, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you. I've got things I wanna give you. Starting with, I've made a place for you. I went to Calvary, I shed the blood. I gave myself to all of the abuse and the humiliation, and I did that for you, and I've made a place for you. And, and making a place for us, he said, "Well, there's a day coming too when I'm going to receive you unto myself. A lot of people want to talk about receiving Jesus. Well, your Bible talked about receiving the Holy Ghost and the Bible talked about there's a day coming where he's going to receive you unto himself. Let's get who's in charge here. Let's get who's in control. People want to say, you know, take Christ as your person. You ain't taking Christ nowhere unless you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You get filled with his spirit and his power and his glory and you learn who's in control, who's the author and the finisher of our faith and that's when it gets easy, my friend, when he's leading and you're following. That's when it gets easy. He said, my my burden is light. and my yoke, it's easy. I got something easy here for you. What makes it difficult is the flesh. What makes it difficult is the spirits that work through the flesh, work through human feelings. And this guy, Saul, he, he burst on the scene and he had his religion. He didn't have any salvation, but he had lots of religion. He had lots of ideas from man. He had lots of things that they had dreamed up and conjured up and things that they had twisted from the scriptures and things that they had written until now. They're all bogged down in what's called the, the Torah or the Mishnah uh, and things of that nature. And they've, they've left the true, precious Word of God and they're still bumbling and stumbling around in the dark uh, almost, uh, what, 5,000 years later. What a sad and sorry thing it is, but they've weighed, they made their way hard when they didn't follow Jesus Christ. He came around and he looked at people and he said, follow me. And those that did were the ones that found out it was the easy way. No matter what got sent their way, no matter what the here's a man on his knees being buried under a, a pile of stones and crying out, forgive them, Lord, because they don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, things would be so much easier for them. If they knew what they were doing, they'd see your glory. If the devil had known what was going on, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. As The princes of this world didn't know what was going to take place. They thought, we're going to wipe him out. We're going to get him off the face of the earth. Even the high priest prophesied that year, Caiaphas, and he said, you don't know anything. He said, it's an, it's necessary that one should die for this nation. And so they set about from there on to see how they might take him and have him killed. And they succeeded in that, didn't they? But when they did that, he had already told them, you go ahead and destroy this body, this temple. But he said, in three days, I'll raise it up. Well, the hard headed, natural thinking people said, what's the deal? It took us 46 years to build this temple. And he's going to uh, raise it up in three days. This guy's nuts. We're going to take him out. And so they cried and chanted in the face of Pilate who would have let him go and said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so they did. But when they did, three days later, he rose again from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. How much easier it is when you get in sync and harmony and rank with God when you do it his way. His way is an easy way. His burden is light. Amen. His yoke is so easy. And it all depends, of course, on the comparison. That's the trouble with some people. They don't have a basis of comparison. You know, sometimes we've had it too easy. God's been too good. We've, we've got a little spoiled. We've got a little Bible called about being settled on your leaves. Just kind of settled down there. You know, when you were all shook up, when you were uh, what did it say? Stir up the gift of God, and and you've got a good shake in there, you know. Then uh, and and I read in the Bible where the disciples, if you read the book of Acts and you continue on reading it, you will find that after the day of Pentecost, uh, how that they had come together and there was persecution going on, and the, uh, the the chief priests, all the religious people, people that claimed so much to believe in God and all their religion, and yet they had. They had evil minds and they had bad thoughts and they fought against them and they they hated the name of Jesus Christ and they didn't like it that they were baptized in that name. They didn't like it that they were speaking in that name and yet the church went on and filled that city with its doctrine, the apostles' doctrine and uh, the apostles got it because Jesus Christ gave it to them if you read Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 and then from there though as they went and they began to fill the city with their doctrine then the scripture teaches that these folks got them and they would hail them into prison. They would beat them and they'd throw them in the inner dungeon. You charge them straightly that they were not to preach or to teach in that name. Notice the the specific reference. We don't want you using that name. Don't use it when you teach don't use it when you preach. Don't use it when you're baptized. We want to eradicate that name. You know the devil knows what's important, and he absolutely doesn't want anybody to be washed in that precious blood that's contained in that name. He knows that baptism is for the remission or the forgiveness and the full pardon of sins, and he doesn't want you getting rid of your sin. He wants you heavily laden down with sin. He wants to take you to hell, but Jesus Christ is going to make it to where your soul won't go to hell and that you will He will keep you from corruption. He will absolutely put you up on the rock that's higher than you are. He's going to protect you. He's going to bless you. He's going to keep you. If you'll simply learn how easy it is when you get in one mind, in one accord, in one place. That brings the, the power of God, the unity of the Holy Ghost. And we're to endeavor to keep the unity. We are told to do that. That takes a little bit of effort on your part. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to worship. You're going to have to get your hands in the air. You're going to have to read the book. You're going to have to once in a while push back the plate. You're going to have to witness and tell people and share. And as you do that, uh, the Bible's teaching you that along with learning how to pray effectually and fervently, that you can build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And you can learn that it's so much easier when you let Jesus have the lead when you, when you if at the most, that you'll walk with him. You're not going to try to get ahead of him. You're not going to try to outthink him and outplan him and, and outdo him, but you're going to learn to, to walk with him. And you'll find grace, an abundant grace. He giveth much more grace to the humble, the book says. And as you humble yourself before the Lord, he's going to give you favor. He's going to give you favor. Even with your enemies, he's going to give you favor. And you watch God give that kind of favor. God give that kind of blessing in your life and open doors for you, make the way for you. And uh, somebody was telling me about a a young man that was uh, preaching, and he told about coming up with his mother and how poor they were. She was a single parent, and um, it was time to go back to school, and she took him to the store, and she said, you pick what you want, so many shirts, so many pair of uh, trousers or jeans or whatever, and uh, sneakers and whatever you need. And so he knew that they didn't have any money, and he kept looking, wondering, and he's picking things, and he's, what's going on here? And uh, they got online, and, and as they were getting close to the register, he kept looking at her questioningly, like, how are you going to pay for this? And um, she just told him, don't worry about it. And um, so as they, there was one man ahead of them when they got to the, to the uh, counter. And that man looked at them, and then he looked back, and he paid his bill, and he started to walk away. And he turned back to the cashier, and he said, whatever this lady buys, I'll pay for it. And that's how it got paid for. And he asked her years later, he said, how, how, how did that happen? And she said, I had a word from the Lord. You know, God can speak to us, and it's so easy. It's so easy when we get in step and rank and harmony. When they got away from about 380 malcontents and unbelievers, And people that had to do things their way. And they wanted to hold on to their traditions. They wanted to hold on to their old friends. They wanted to hold on to old words and old thoughts and old phrases and old ways of doing things. And they had to get away from that. Jesus one time uh, got them to get the boat. And when they got in it, he said, launch out into the deep. Get away from the earth. Get away from the shore. Get away from the shallow. Get away from those top men or things, and let's get out in the deep a little bit where the big fish are running. Let's get out there, and then you cast your net on the right side, and you're going to catch a big old harvest there. You're going you're gonna to bring in a great catch here. You know, if we'll work with God, he sees it all. He knows it all. He knows he's the Lord of the harvest, and the harvest is plenteous. It's the laborers that are lacking a little bit. If we could just show ourselves to be faithful laborers, if we could show ourselves to be not contrary, but that we could be the kind that get in harmony with him, in step and in rank and walk with him and listen to him and talk to him and let him talk to us. Friend, things get a lot easier when it's like that. If you're always thinking, well, how, how's this going to be and what's going to happen? And I don't know about this. Now, if you're just making it difficult. Don't you know the way of the transgressor is hard? Don't you know you're beating your head against a wall? You're absolutely fighting yourself. You better wake up and learn the easy way. The easy way is to do what he said. The easy way is to humble yourself easy way is to let God have his way because, you know, his way is the right way. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Thank you. (laughs) The Scripture talked about living your life in such a way that he or they or she that are of the contrary part would be ashamed. The people see that you square your shoulders and you go forward and you trust God, you believe God, and you do things according to his word, that you're you're not trying to cut corners and you're not trying to show yourself stubborn or contrary. You're not trying to, uh, uh, you know, just push your way to what you want, but that you, you learn it's so much easier when I just obey him. It's so much easier when I get in the flow. It's so much, what did it say, uh, about um, after that Jesus was crucified, that he uh, began to pour out his spirit, and he, gave the, he gives his Holy Spirit to them that obey him. Not people that are disobedient, not people that are of the contrary part, not people that are filled with unbelief and, and stumble and balk at everything, but, but the people that are, are in the spirit are, are the people that have obeyed. The people that have gotten the Holy Ghost, and it said after that that takes place in your life, out of your belly, or out of your innermost being, or out of your womb, will flow rivers of living water. How much better it is to get in the flow and have that that crystal clear uh, river of water that Revelation 22 said came right out of the throne of God, the Spirit that is, and of the Lamb, the flesh that is, that was crucified on the cross. You always want to remember that lady that told me that. Uh, She asked me, I asked her what, who died on the cross, and she said, God did. And I said, well, honey, if God died, we're all in big-time trouble around here. I said, well, died on that cross was the flesh, and you better remember that. It's what was in that flesh that left it and came back and re-got in it three days later. That's that's God. That's the Spirit. Amen. And that's what you want to know. And that how that he, he raised up Jesus the Christ. He raised, you know, God is invisible. You can't see God. And he said no man could see him and, and live. But yet he said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to make something visible for you to see. I'm going to make something that, because that's what happened to Israel. All the nations around them, they had Dagon and they had Molech and they had all these things that they fashioned with their hands and their vain imaginations. And they carved it or they put it in the smelter and they came out with all these different things. And God had to take care of that one day for them. After Egypt, he slapped the snot out of everything they thought was God and defeated it and destroyed it and showed his supremacy, but yet they still would not give it up. And Pharaoh still was hard in his heart. And God said, that's just fine. You do your thing, Pharaoh, for that purpose have I raised you up. And I might show you as a, a vessel of wrath, fitted for destruction, that my name might be my name might be believed in all the earth. Let me tell you, God is going to be glorified. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And he alone is God. And there is no other. Amen. But that day came, friend, when the Bible said that word that was God was made flesh. Oh, that invisible showed himself visibly. And the Bible said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, who is a spirit, who is invisible, was manifest or shown clearly in the flesh. Amen and amen. Oh, friend, he was believed on in this world, the book said, and he was received up into glory. And his name above every name is Jesus. And and here is Saul. He's, he's hot-putting it. I don't know if he was on a donkey or a camel or a horse, an Arabian horse. I don't know. Didn't tell me. But whatever his mode of transportation was, he was hot-putting it to get people of this way, this people that baptized in Jesus' name, this people that received the gift of the Holy Ghost, these people that lived for God according to his mind and his thinking, and that were. In step and in rank and in harmony and it left so many things by uh, Peter said that one time he said Lord, what is there coming our way? We've left all to follow thee and the Lord said you that have been with me and come through my temptations He said there's a day coming when you'll sit on thrones and you'll judge the 12 tribes of Israel God's gonna fitly reward his people. Don't you worry. You're never gonna be disappointed You're never gonna be let down and I can just hear your voice and the devil right now just saying yeah, you don't know you don't know because you're, you're stubborn, you're proud, you're resistant, and you do always resist the Holy Ghost, even as those before you got to wake up and get with that bunch that said, I'm glad to go to God's house, I'm glad to have the Holy Ghost, I'm glad to be baptized in Jesus' name, I'm glad to know the truth, I'm glad to have the opportunity to live for God. And my name's on the Lamb's book of life. And when that day comes, that last trump sounds, I'm going to be caught up together to meet the dead in Christ in the earth. And so shall we ever be. Woo, that's going to be all marvelous. And anything, anything that you had to endure will be as nothing in comparison. And I tell you, it's that comparison sometimes. That's the trouble of some people. They've, what did he say? I'll put you in a hand that no man will pluck you out. Well, you've been in God's sweet, gentle palm for so long, and you've been nourished up. That's Bible terminology. You've been nourished up by the Spirit of the Lord. But look out lest you do what, what the devil can't do, and that is you get yourself out of God's hand, and you're the only one that can do it. There's no devil big enough to do it. And you, you just go ahead and slip overboard. Isn't that what happened when you better be seated, minute You know, when Paul, I don't think I'm quite done, you know, or the spirit isn't quite done, blame it on God. <laughs> and that uh, his shoulders are broad, he can take it. Um, how that they were on the ship. And, and Paul had gone in and closed the door. When all else fails, friend, you want to go in the closet and shut the door. And you want to talk to God. And that's what he did. The, the boat was rolling and pitching and roiling and pitching. And, and the, they hadn't seen the sun, the moon, or the stars. in many a day they couldn't reckon they had no navigation. They, they were trying to figure out how deep the water was. They finally, the fog cleared enough in the storm that they could see a piece of land that was totally unfamiliar to them. And they thought, well, it's where two seas met and made a unity. Oh, it's good to get in that unity. And they saw that, and they begin to make the way for it. And he came out of that. He came out of that prayer meeting, and he said, God spoke to me, and he said, if you'll stay with the church, if you'll stay with the program, if you'll stay with the plan, he said, God promised me every last living one of you. I've been praying for you. I want you to make it. And so God said, tell them to st- step. They stay with the ship; they cannot be saved. But if they'll stay with the church, if you will stay with the church, if you'll get to the forefront, if you will lag around in the back and be a some kind of person that's just been around, but you'll get in this thing and put your heart into this thing, and you can realize that God's going to give you the victory. going to give you the victory. And that's what happened, friend. They hit a place of unity. They started working together, and they had thrown everything that they didn't need overboard. Maybe you should go through your closets. Maybe you should go through your dresser drawers. Uh, maybe you should open the door and take that stupid thing out and chuck it in the canal. Maybe you should uh, rip out some wires. I remember Omar said he liked the way I do things. He said, we get a house, and he said, he, he said senior pastor goes in there and starts ripping out wires. I start ripping out cables. You know, what did one lady say one time? She said, told the installer, said, put the dish where the preacher can't see it. And ordered herself a triple X. Let me tell you something. God saw it. Every, he saw it before the foundation of the world. And any time God wanted to show it, he could show it. And it doesn't matter how you try to hide it. Let me tell you, that's a hard way to live. That's a difficult way to live. That's, that's you beating against the air. That's you running without any direction. That's you getting out of shape and, and winded, and you're just not getting anywhere. Let me tell you something. You get in God's way. You get in God's path. You get in this way. You do things the way God said to do it. And so they, they started chucking things overboard. Well, there was a few smart outs that started sidling to the side of the ship and they, hey, where are you all going? Well, we're just checking the lifeboats to make sure they're okay. Sure you are, while you're in them, letting them down, uh-huh. And under color, the book said, that meant under pretense that they were just checking things out. What they were doing is they were leaving the program. They were leaving the church step by step. They were getting further and further and further away. You know, the devil will walk you right out that door. You hear me? He'll get in your mind. He'll get in your heart. He'll get in your thinking. Don't you think he did that to Judas? That low-down traitor. Don't you think he did? Man, the book said he sought opportunity to betray the pastor. He sought. He was looking for an opportunity. He was talking to people. Maybe you ought to throw your iPod in the canal or your iPad or get your, ca- your your internet cut off. Maybe you ought to get rid of a few things wrong cow kind of talking and hearing the wrong kind of things. You need a preacher to stand up on your hill of Mars and preach something to you that you've never listened to before. You need to hear about the unknown God because evidently you don't know him like you need to know him. Woo. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. And so they got their hand called. They surely did. And they got told, "You better stay with us if you're gonna make it." And so you want to be among that number that stays with it. Not only gets it, but you stay with it. Not enough to be counted at the beginning. You've got to be recounted at the end. That's what your Bible teaches. There will be a recount. We'll recount worthy. You must pray as it is written, they that are worthy to escape, whether it be the vengeance of the sea, and you could spiritualize that with revelation, because that means a whole multitude and crowd of people and population, and that what's rising up from among the, the, what the world is producing is a beast, the book teaches. And more and more, they're connecting everybody and erasing lines uh, of proper, Etiquette, communication, and uh, they're erasing all that and making things more and more confusing, more and more chaos. And don't you know the devil is the author of that kind of confusion and chaos? That's what he likes, and that's what he does. And I'm going to tell you something about the devil. He can't win. He knows he can't win. He knows he's doomed. But he can make a lot of literal hell and havoc and confusion until that day. And that's what it said. He He's, he's wroth. he's mad, he's angry, and he's going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And there's nobody, nobody, that he wants more than you that know this truth, that have this message. You're the ones. You're in the crosshairs. You're in the target. He wants you. He wants your children. He wants to destroy. He wants to destroy the family unit. I would challenge you as parents to or parent or guardian to have a little sit-downs from time to time and, and talk about the Lord. And talk about good things that have been in your life, in the church, in the past, and, and bring them up and rehearse them. As it is written in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and thou shalt love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're to teach that to your children. You're to teach that when you walk by the way. I, I don't know if I ever told you, but it was seen Belle read it, and she passed it on to me, about how that uh, during the the war when the Nazis um, were rounding up the Jewish and were sending them to the gas chambers, that they had an orphanage and they had uh, taken among those children, they had taken quite a few Jewish children, those that were like 12 and down. And uh, they said that (coughs) there was uh, at the end of the war, as Hitler had lost and the Allies were coming in to rescue, they had uh, sent a few representatives with some Jewish mothers. They sent them into the orphanage, and they were looking for their children You know there's a lot of parents you may wind up one day looking for your children You may not know where they're at you may not know what they're doing You don't want to lose that kind of contact you want to you want to keep a connection here Keep the lines of communication open your children want to keep good communication with your parents or parents and guardians and your leadership and so as they were walking through the orphanage, and it was the time when the children had been put down to go to sleep, and that the Jewish mothers, they began to quote, they begin to quote Deuteronomy six and four, because that's how they put them to sleep every night. When you lay down your head, they would lay them down and they would quote, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and thou shalt love him with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as they were more or less singing that as they were walking. They said these. They started sitting up and they started saying, "Mama, Mama," and that's how they knew that that was their children, and they were able to rescue them. They were able to rescue them. Let me tell you something. You want this good word hidden in your heart. You want the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and you want to know that. That's what makes it easy. That's what makes things happen. That's what opens the doors and the windows of heaven. That's what parts the Red Sea. Oh, yes, my friend, that's what moves the mountains. You better hear me when I tell you. I had a Jewish man the other day. He had a kippah on. That's another word. That's a Hebrew word for a yarmulke, which is the Yiddish word for the little round thing of cloth that they put on their head. And um, the men. And so he was sitting in the restaurant here in Belgrade, and I, I brought the invitations to set them up near the register. And I saw him, so I went over, and I handed him one and invited him to our church, and and he said, he said, I want to ask you a question. I ask all the ministers. And he was a doctor. And um, he gave me his card. And he said, uh, why are we in the mess that we're in with this present administration and everything? And I said, well, because of prophecy. I said, because there are some things that must come to pass. There is an, what did Jesus say? The things concerning me have an end. Well, the things concerning what the scriptures and the prophecies teach, they have an end. They will, come to their, they will run their course, and those things will come to pass as it is written in the Word. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but not one jot or one tittle, not one accent mark is going to fail. Everything that God said is going to come to pass. And so he said, well, I'll accept half of that. He said, I think maybe God's getting us to a place where we'll pray. And I said, oh, definitely. I said, we've always said that tribulation would be a blessing in disguise, that it would cause us to get on our knees more and that we would turn to God more and that we would call on the name that's above every name. And he he agreed with me on that. Let me tell you something. And he told me, he said, they did a poll of Jewish young people, like 18 to 36 years old or something like that. And he said they polled them, and they said, if Israel was destroyed, was to be destroyed, would this affect you? And they said, no. You better think about the generation that you represent. You better think about the You know, people say that we're brainwashed, and I tell them, yeah, well, my brains were dirty and they needed a good washing. But you better get them washed by the right thing. You better get them washed in the blood of the Lamb. Get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Get the gift of the Holy Ghost. Get old things to pass away and all things to become new. Leave those things behind and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what you want to do. Let's move forward. A basis of comparison. Those folks trying to go overboard, they were at what the storm was really like. And let me tell you, the storm is a lot worse than uh, out there than what it is when you're in the church. When you've got divine protection and divine help you got people that are praying and god's talking to them and giving directions on what to do and how to do it and how that he can open doors and make the way in the midst of every storm far better for you to tolerate what you feel like is just so bad in the church than for you to find yourself outside of divine protection, outside the church, and you're in the storm with no protection. Think about it logically for a moment. If you're going to leave the big ship of the church to get in a little dingy boat, a little rowboat, and go face a storm, does that make any sense? Wouldn't you rather be in something big and sturdy and strong that God is in and God is claiming and God's a part of? Come on now, church family. Leaving the church is never an option. Being in the church is what matters. I'm telling you, when the devil rises up through people and and he gets a hold of your life, you're going to remember you're going to have yourself a good base of comparison. You're going to be like Israel that they said, hey, sing us a song. And they said, how can we sing you a song when we're taken by the enemy and we're captives? We've hung our harps on the willow here. We can't sing a song now. We're too far away. Oh, friend, you're going to get a base of comparison. All right. You You want the devil? You're going to get given to the devil. You're going to find out what he's like. You're going to find out it's a hard life, and he's a hard taskmaster. And you're going to weep and cry to be back in the fold and to be back in the center of God's will where it's easy, where it's easy. Let's take a moment and lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Oh, God, I give you praise. And I thank you, holy God. And I worship you, holy God. I need you, holy God. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God, you are mighty. God, you are great. I we sing and play, let's come and gather in. Come humbly. Ask God to help you to defeat the spirit that's attacking you. Oh, yeah. Help you to appreciate Calvary. To appreciate that he shed his blood. He gave his life. They took the weep the whipping, the humiliation, the bruising, the slapping, the spitting, the crown of thorns, all the things that he endured for your sake. For your sake. No need to be a stick in the mud. No need to be contrary. No need to be indifferent.